This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. You're listening to C-Suite Success Radio with your host and executive coach, Sharon Smith. If corporate success is your goal, C-Suite Success Radio offers you informative interviews with experts that will help you shorten your learning curve and accelerate your momentum to higher achievement. C-Suite Success Radio makes it simple and easy for you to tap into the wisdom of other successful business people who know the path you're traveling. If you're ready for success in corporate America, welcome to your new home at C-Suite Success Radio. And now, time for your host and C-Suite Executive Coach, Sharon Smith. Welcome to this week's episode of C-Suite Success Radio. I am your host, Sharon Smith of C-Suite Results. Each week, we focus on success, a word we all know and something we strive towards, but not a word that's easy to define. All of our topics and guests are aimed to help you achieve the goals you've set for your organization and for yourself as a leader, but more importantly, to help you accelerate the pace of your success. On today's show, we have Frank Deming, the owner and executive of Local Business Marketing Solutions, a lead generation digital marketing firm. Prior to starting his business, Frank worked as a senior IT project manager for a high-profile government contractor. But after getting burned out from working 60 to 80 hours a week in his high-demand job, he decided to use his technical skills differently and started his own business in 2007. After six years of struggles and sometimes complete disarray, Frank realized that his true passion and what he really enjoyed doing was all the digital marketing for his clients and watching them increase their revenues and grow their net worth. Once Frank figured out what his passion was, he was able to skyrocket his business through clear messaging to his target audience, which turned into helping scores of slumping local businesses achieve exponential growth within a 12 to 18 month period. Frank is also an Amazon bestselling author of a recently released book, Seven Steps to Recession Proofing Your Business. I also happen to know that he is an avid fan of personal development. Therefore, among the many things Frank will be discussing with us today, he wants to share some insights as to the importance of personal development to help unclog some hidden challenges we all face as busy professionals. Let's take a listen to the conversation I had with Frank and see how he can help you gain the edge you're looking for. Very excited to welcome Frank Deming to the call today. Frank, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I am loving life. I'm in love with life. I love that response from you. That's my favorite saying. Absolutely. Every time we talk, you always say, love and life, love and life. And that always puts a huge smile on my face. I've known you for a couple years now. And every time we talk, it's always always a great joy. But the listeners don't know you. So let's start with that. Tell them who Frank Deming is. What are you up to? What gets you excited every day? Well, uh, Frank Deming is uh, basically an online entrepreneur who enjoys helping businesses throughout the continental U.S. increase their revenue and their um, their net worth. So I, I enjoy working with businesses that are anywhere between 2.5 and 8 million in revenue and looking for more uh, and who believe in, um, in online marketing and all that stuff. Um, right now, what I'm working on, one of the things I do, I, I go from, I usually go from uh, niche to niche. Right now, I'm working on a lot of uh, divorce lawyers, 
and chiropractors at, at this point. So I don't like to go after a niche, if you will, and not have something to offer them. You know, you got to provide something first. You know, the old saying, Zig Ziglar used to say, if, uh, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll get what you want, right? I try to prepare myself 100% before going after an itch with all my data and, uh, and then go off to see how I can help them. That's really great. That shows that you're working with a specific group of people and you're learning about them and that's why you're able to help them because you're not just trying to serve everyone. You're trying to serve a specific group. That's really great. And I love Zig Ziglar and I love that quote. I believe you are someone who loves personal development. You and I met at a seminar down in Florida. We spent a lot of time together at different workshops. Personal development is a big passion of mine. I think it's super important. But I think you're even a bigger personal development junkie than I am. And I'd love to hear you tell us why that's been so important to you and how that has helped you grow the success of your organization. Yes, you're correct. Personal development is huge for me. Uh, And I am quoted a junkie in that realm. Other people use other terms, but we won't get into that. But uh, (laughs) I um, uh, got into it because unlike most entrepreneurs that I've run into anyway, I was not a natural at this. (laughs) I mean, to to put it blank, uh, to put it bluntly, I really was awful at being an entrepreneur. I was the prototype nine to fiver. No, I'm not nine to fiver, but you know, a regular corporate American junkie. You know, I, I knew, I knew the 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 gamut. You know, I had the uh, employee mindset. I knew that if I do a good job, I went to college, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was going to get a good job and continue growing my career. When I got a little burnt out from that, I knew I wanted to do something else. But I, I again, I wasn't a natural at it. And I started looking online, and when I started failing at a lot of my initial business ventures, I looked for help, and I noticed that there were a lot of these, I mean, just a plethora of people, coaches and personal development people that will teach you how to grow your business. And so I I just took it from there, and and it helped me tremendously. I mean, the first few were bombs, obviously. I mean, we're always going to trip and fall and, and, and get hurt. But as long as you can get up again, you can continue to succeed. And if you have a drive, that's how I stumbled upon the whole personal development uh, realm. You said a lot of things in that, which I think are super important. And I'm not sure if everyone would have picked up everything that I picked up. You talked about going from corporate America to being an entrepreneur and how there's a mindset as an employee. And I've gone from corporate also myself to being an entrepreneur and know many people who have, but also know many people who have not, even though they're not happy in what they're doing, maybe they are burnt out, but haven't had the, whether it's the desire, the drive or the courage, whatever the word is to move from corporate to entrepreneurship, even if it's starting out on the side, it doesn't mean quitting your job and tomorrow being an entrepreneur. Many people start by building their business on the side in you know in a small way. For you, what is that employer mindset versus the entrepreneurial spirit that is so different and that if someone wants to make the move, they need to start learning about? Uh, with me, the hardest thing was motivation. When, when you work for a corporate job, as you did, and you, you probably could relate to this, you know, you have a lot of pressures. Like we, I, I used to be an IT project manager, as you know, so I had a lot of pressure and it was high profile. So I had a boss beating me down because, you know, I just, we just got a $10 million project or, or, or my portion of the project was 10 million. And I just got 20 million from the corporate office. 
you know, they want to know what the numbers are looking like, what's this, what's that, you know, so you, you put in hours to, to meet goals. So when you're an entrepreneur, really and truly there's no one pushing you to do it. You have to have a self-motivated spirit, if you will, that's going to do it. Or you got to have some kind of external factors. And sometimes, like for, for instance, in my case, it took me four years to actually, I, I started in 2007. I didn't leave corporate until 2011. So it took me, um, you know, uh, four years to get my my stuff in gear because of a lot of it was fear because, hey, I had this money coming in, irrespective of if, if my job, if, if my boss yelled at me or not, right? If the, if if the corporation lost a big client, I was still getting paid. That was a cushion. That was a comfort thing. But when you, when I left it really and truly is when my, my entrepreneur lifestyle started, because if I lost a contract, I had to somehow get the motivation to, okay, you could be doom and gloom for one hour, you know, for, for, for 24 hours, but the next day you got to smile, you got to dial, you got to, you know, call people, ask for referrals, whatever. You just got to do what you got to, you got to go within your gut real deep inside and then push yourself forward. And unfortunately you don't have, a lot of times you don't have that support. You're going to have a lot of naysayers, at least in my case I did where people were saying, well, you see, you shouldn't have left and what was going on, you know, uh, and personal development really helped me throughout that. I got to tell you, because, you know, we, you, a lot of these programs have accountability buddies that, you know, boost you up and all different kind of aspects of the, of the program that also helped it helped me a lot too. That's really the big difference is the support system. You know, I didn't have anybody to report to, in, in initially, right? I used to think, oh, I don't have anybody to report to. So I can, if someone asks me to go to the movies and I know I have to do some research for a client I'm going after, let's say, and someone invited me to the movies, I can say, well, yeah, I'll go to the movies. I'll just do research tomorrow. So it's having that discipline to say, well, no, I can't because I promised myself who, you know, I'm, I work for myself. I'm my own boss. I love myself enough. I love myself more than my own, my old boss. To, to say, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to go to the movies. I got to work on this. Maybe we can go next week or something like that. It's that discipline, really. That's the, big, that's the biggest difference. Yeah, discipline's a tough one. And when it comes to discipline and motivation, how did you stay motivated those four years that you were in corporate, working for someone else, but building your business on the side? How did you stay motivated to keep building it to the point where you could finally step into that full time? What did that look like for you? Well, to be honest, Sharon, it was it was difficult. It was it, it did not look smooth at all. I used to sell info products, so what I had to do was uh, because some of these people wanted to talk to me because I had to upsell them. So I, I literally had to go after people in the West Coast and schedule time. You know, my time was like nine o'clock for for me, six o'clock for them, or later sometimes to talk to them on the phone and try to close them on a package. So it was it was a, a very difficult thing. There were times when I really did not want to do that because I would have like a 10% or 15% closing ratio. So if I spoke to 100 people, only, you know, 10 or 15 of them said, you know, said yes. So it was very discouraging. I know I'm not painting a pretty picture, but the drive that I had of leaving corporate was bigger than the discouragement that I was receiving. 
And that's where I was curious so, about is how did you stay motivated? Because it is can be very discouraging, especially, as you said, you have to be self-motivated. There's no external pressures. And if you are working for someone else and you have that job and you can rely on that paycheck, it's very easy to say, I'm not going to do this today. But you kept going. And I know you've come a long, long way since then. And your business has completely changed. And we can talk about that whole journey for you. But for anyone listening about motivation and whether it's – about staying motivation from the perspective of a job or whether it's motivation from the perspective of entrepreneurial endeavors, what is it? And was it personal development or was there a specific author or some course you took or what was it that really kept you motivated, kept you going? It was a few things. One of the biggest things was I wanted to will something over to to my child. Mm. If, you know, basically, if you work for corporate, you you pass on, people are going to say, oh, so-and-so was a great guy. He worked here for, you know, 30 years, 40 years, whatever. And that's it. And, you know, so you get your pension. You could give your pension to your children. You could do, do this, do that, or what have you. But if you if you're able to see again, I didn't come from a family of entrepreneurs, so I wanted to change that. So if I'm able to say, "Hey, I built this legacy, right? I built this thing. I want to roll this over to my child. That way, he or she can just take it and do whatever they want with it." But I left that to them that they can continue. That was a huge factor in me. That was one of them. Another one was I hate failure. So if I start something, I want to finish it. Not only I want to finish it, I want to finish it in a good way. In other words, on top. When things weren't going my way, although I didn't want to speak to, you know, I, you know, the, the people kept saying, no, no, it's okay, not interested, not interested, not interested. You know, I had to look within myself. And a lot of this I got from reading personal development books and all that stuff, even before I went to the programs. I had to look within myself and say, okay, they're saying no, but they're missing out. They're saying no because I'm not putting it in a way that's intriguing to them. So it's a lot of it is a, a self-pride, if you will, for me anyway, other than the whole willing of the, the, the thing for my, for my daughter and, 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 and children and everything. I, I was just thinking, hey, I, I can't fail. I, I, you know, I, so everyone on this call, listening to this call has something like that because we're all human, right? So we, there's something in you that does not want to fail. Like when you, you know, I'm very competitive. I play ping pong, I play racquetball with my wife. When she beats me, I get upset. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's a, it's a competitive nature on, on that I have. And, and maybe not everyone is competitive on this call, but there's always something that someone has that's going to that's gonna say, wow, other than this, this is another thing that's going to make me get up out of bed and do what is it that I that I want that I have to do for the day. So really, Does that make sense? Yeah, so really connecting with that internal why. For you, that why is right. your daughter and that legacy, but it's also the fact that for you, you hate comp- you, you're very competitive, you hate failure. And that was part of what drove you. And for other people listening, it'll be something very different. Some people are not that competitive. Some people give up easily. But that doesn't have to be the story. I think one of the things I've learned is we can rewrite the story anytime we want. We can say, I've always been a quitter. I've always failed at what I've tried. Why bother? Or we can rewrite the story. What narrative have you had exactly. to change? Yeah, what narrative have you had to change over the years to become more successful in what you do? That that was a perfect perfect segue <laughs> into what I you know what I was thinking as you were saying it. It is that 
that negative thing like, oh, I'm not good enough. Oh, I'm, I'm terrible at sales. I mean, I've had this conversation with you. I, I hate networking, let's say. Oh, I hate that. And then I catch myself and say, no, I love it. And I'm getting better at it every day. It's also self-talk. I, I learned that a lot from personal development too. Self-talk. We're taught to think a particular way. If you change that sometimes, uh, well, not sometimes, all the time, it will change your behavior. Your behavior will start following suit of what you say. So if you've always said, oh, I hate this or I suck at this or whatever, guess what? That's, the, that's what's going to appear. Right. But if you change it, and but you got to change it right when you say it, right? It, it, it's a self-talk thing. I give all my success in my business and in all my business life to personal development because there were certain things in there that I found out that well, I was like, wow, it, this is me. As long as people understand us on this call, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're a C-suite level exec, if something does not go right based on what you, the outcome you're looking for, you know, we always tell people, and I, was, I learned this, look in the mirror. That's what didn't go right. It was something you didn't do or there was a message that was not conveyed properly. That, that, that's where the failure comes from. Or sometimes it's just not the right fit, but you have to know that from the beginning. And I've learned that too over the years too, Sharon, where from the beginning, you got to follow your gut and know this is not the right fit and cut, you know, cut ties there rather than letting it drag on. I've made that mistake a multitude of times. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. If you know it's not going to be a fit from the beginning, the moment you get that feeling, and we all have that feeling, it's an inner being that we have. And we just say, okay, well, this is not it. This is not for me. Yeah, so I heard you really walk away. I heard two really important messages. One is taking personal responsibility, not, you know, not blaming others for setbacks and failures and really knowing that taking responsibility for our own actions or for what did or didn't get communicated or what could have done gone better. And also really trusting your gut, knowing that there's that feeling if you stop and listen, that is going to tell you that something feels right or doesn't feel right. And for you to really explore that and to trust yourself more and more. And I know I've learned a lot about that over the last few years as well. Was that something for you going from employee mindset to entrepreneurial mindset that you had to learn about that whole idea of trusting your gut? Yeah. And I got to tell you, there wasn't overnight. It, it, it took me about seven years to trust who Frank Deming was. I'm glad you said that. Because That's a long time. It is a long time, but it's not a long time in the big scheme of things. But what I, it feels like forever for someone going through the process, and it probably felt like forever for you then, and now you look at it and it's second nature. And I think that's a great message is that anything we want to achieve and anything we want to be good at, whether it's getting to the C-suite, whether it's being an entrepreneur, whatever it might be, becoming a better parent or spouse or leader in the community, is that none of it happens overnight. It takes years of behind the scenes, dedication and practice and failing and getting back up. And I know you hate the word failure, but we all have failures, but are they really failures if we learn from them? I'm going to ask you your definition of success in a minute, but what's your definition of a failure? To me, a failure is if I have a person in front of me that is my ideal client, fits all the criteria that I'm looking for, and I am unable to convey a message that resonates with him or her, and I'm not unable to close them, that's failure. Because I have that, I know who, who that person is. I have my avatar in my head. I know who that person is. I can feel that person 
I feel that core to core communication coming through, but I still don't close it. That's failure. And then I see that person doing it with another company that does the same thing that I do. That that's a failure to me. I'm glad you brought up that last part because before you said you see if you see them go get the work from someone else, I was going to ask you just because they don't close with you, is that really a failure on your part, or maybe them not trusting their gut, them not doing what they should be doing, something that isn't is outside of your control since you can't control what other people do. But when you finished and said right. a failure, you added that piece about they went with someone else. You look at that as a failure because they obviously were willing to buy the service and they are going to work with somebody but they didn't work with you, you feel like you didn't present the case, you didn't present the information in a way that would have them want to work with you. For you, that's a failure, That whole the whole picture of them also going to work with someone else. Correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So with that, when those types of things happen because they're going to, it's part of life, how do you get past it? How do you brush yourself off and keep going and, and succeed the next time? There's a couple of bottles of Merlot downstairs. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. I... <laughs> I just look, uh, I try to, if if, it, if the call was recorded, so sometimes I ask my clients if they're mine, some mind and some don't, some don't. If the call was recorded, I go back to it, I listen to it, I try to learn from it. If the call was not recorded, I try my best to remember different inter- you know, pieces of the conversation to see if I can rectify it. Sometimes I go back to the client, I send them a survey, if you can fill out the survey as to why you didn't go with me. And if I try, I try to do that all the time. If they fill it out, if I see a pattern, then I need, I need to fix something. If it's, there is no pattern, then it's just uh, no pattern. You know, I mean, it's something that I have to just suck it up and live with, that every now and then someone's going to say no. I like that. And I think it's really important what I've learned from talking to a lot of successful people and reading a lot of books myself because I enjoy personal development and don't know the last time I read a fiction book because all my time is spent reading personal development books myself. One of the things I've learned is that successful people really analyze what's working and what's not working and how they can do it better and they take personal accountability and then they make the change. So the fact that you do a review of those calls and and the process and do the surveys with prospects and with clients – really shows why you're doing, you know, doing as well as you are and why your business is booming is because you have learned how to, you've learned how to overcome what some people would give, would be a reason to give up. So that's really awesome. I asked you the definition of failure because we were talking about failure and I was really fascinated about that. I don't always ask guests that specific question, but I do always ask for their definition of success because I think it's really important to hear what different people think success is for them so that everyone listening can understand that it is what you want it to be, not what someone told you it was. Maybe someone will hear you and say, wow, that's a really great definition. I wonder how I can apply that to my own life. And maybe they will come up with their own definition. But so many people have a definition of success because it's what their parents told them or what their peers are doing or what they saw on television or they attach it to a certain dollar amount. And if that is a true definition of success because you want it to be, there's nothing wrong with that. But all too often, it's not because it's your definition, it's because it's someone else's definition. What is Frank Deming's definition of success? Frank Deming's definition of success is the following. If you have a vision of something, irrespective of what it is, and you're able to see that vision into fruition, that's success. So it could be anything. I love that because it can be small and big. Success doesn't have to be the big 
audacious goal exactly. that takes seven years. Success can be that one phone call. Success can be exactly. eating a healthier meal tomorrow. Success can be the next day in the gym. And then success can also right. be the, you know, the 10 pounds off or the new job or the entrepreneurial endeavor. It can be whatever you vision and set forth into that you right. want to create and make into a reality. Or confronting somebody that you've been wanting to confront about a particular subject. Something, That's success. Something you want to share with us, Frank? No, no. I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Did I do it's something just, the last just, time yeah, we talked? I, I was, <laughs> are you mad I was at talking me? to somebody. <laughs> what was that? So are you mad at me? Is last time we talked? Did I, did I, you know, piss you off? And now we need to confront oh, me? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. You would never piss me uh, off. You're too much of a good friend. Um, no, I was talking. The reason I brought that up, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, maybe four or five months ago. And, you know, she was having some issues with uh, a parent. And, and, and it was like, it wasn't that I got tired of hearing it all the time. But I just said, hey, you got to confront it. You just, you're going to be complaining about the same thing. Just say, hey, this is what it is. And it won't be all that bad. And, and she did it. And she was so happy. The first, the next phone call after she confronted the parent was to me and say, hey, I did it. Wow, thank you. This and that. See, that was a successful encounter there that she no longer had to keep bottling inside and then frustrating herself, you know? So that's, that's why it's a very simple, uh, definition, but, you know, but I'm, I always try to oversimplify things because I don't think life is that difficult. I think we make it difficult, right? Life is, that's why I always say love in life, right? Because whether I got stubbed my toe or got into a car accident, I'm still alive and I'm still going to make a difference in the world somehow. That's what I was born in this world. We have to be, the way I see it is we have to say, okay, right. This is what I want to do. This is what I have in my head. This is how I'm envisioning it to happen. Now I got to make the steps to make that happen. And if it happens, you're successful. And with all the personal development you've done, you, whether you name the person or not, what's the one piece of advice that has just stuck with you the longest that you've implemented and felt has made the biggest difference for you? I know there's been a lot. I know you've been doing this for a while from a personal development perspective. Like I said, I know you're a junkie. There's got to be one thing that has just stood out to you more than anything else over the years that you want to share with our listeners. Can, can I can I throw out two? You can throw because out two. I, 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 <laughs> only because it's you. Only because it's Frank. Yeah, only because. All it's right. Frank. So 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 number one is there was, and this is a very controversial topic, but uh, one of one of the gurus said something to me that stuck out because I was, I'm an introvert. And uh, it's a bad thing to be an introvert and an entrepreneur, <laughs> especially in the beginning, right? Because you've got to build it yourself and then maybe you can outsource it to some other people who are going to do it for you. But being an introvert, I don't go out. I don't do not working a lot. You know, it's not a natural thing for me. And one of the gurus uh, that I taught uh, under the tutelage said something that impacted me tremendously. He said, one can never schedule an opportunity. And I'm, I'm butchering that somehow, but there's some version of that. One can never schedule an opportunity. And that statement, although it didn't resonate with me until four or five years later, is what I use now. So when someone asks me to go to, hey, you, you, sh- you want to go here, you want to go there, I'll go, not knowing what's going to come out of it. And lo and behold, you meet someone that knows someone that knows someone that knows someone that gives you a, a $30,000 piece of business, a $300,000 piece of business or whatever. So one can never schedule an opportunity as one. 
Another one uh, is this was one of my marketing. I was learning some marketing tricks and tips about how to communicate with others to get them to buy from you, whether they know you or not, right? And the thing is, is real simple. No one who bought a drill needed a drill. They needed a hole. So they bought the drill to give them the hole. So every time I craft a marketing message, I'm remembering that saying. As a matter of fact, it's in my office on the wall. I remember my wife seeing it the first time. She was like, what is that? <laughs> so I had to explain it to her, you know? So what, what, are, what are you talking about, right? But it, it reminds me as I'm writing ad copy, either for my clients or for myself. Well, these days I've been doing it for myself mostly, and my team does it for my clients. But the point is, you know, it's I have to think they, they need a hole. They don't need a drill. I'm the drill. They don't, so they don't need me. They need results. They need 25% increase. They want 30% increase. They want something. So I have to write the copy or my email messages or whatever I'm writing to get them to want the drill. So those two things really, and I can't picture which one worked the best. I mean, I think they, it's, it's neck and neck. Out of all of the stuff that I've learned, I think those two hit me the, the most. I've never heard the one about a drill. I just wrote it down. I really like it. I think it's fascinating. And I think if people listening really take time to dissect that and what it means for them, it can really change how they communicate with people from an influence perspective. How do you influence someone to do what you want them to do? And I think that's really, really right. interesting. The You can never schedule an opportunity. You and I have discussed over dinner before. And at the time, I <laughs> I think I argued with you a little bit about it. I didn't agree with it. I thought... A lot. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> I believe I had a conversation with my significant other afterwards because he was there as well. And, and or we'd further talked about it. But hearing it again just now, especially in the context of introversion, I'm an introvert as well. And people who know me look at me and go, no, you're not. And they say that because I can stand in front of a room and talk to people as a group. I like public speaking. I can speak. And people like yourself who have seen me network, like, you're really good at this. And I say to you, I hate this because I am an introvert. So having those conversations one-on-one over and over and over again is very draining for me when I don't know people. Once I know you, the conversation can be much easier and much lighter and I can really enjoy it. But when I'm getting to know somebody, the introvert in me really takes over. And I also have to force myself, if I've committed to going to an event, sometimes to go because the last thing I want to do is actually go. And in that, the opportunities have really shown up. I couldn't have known that by going to that event there would be this opportunity. I just knew that I had committed to going to at least myself I committed to going. Maybe I was meeting someone else there, maybe not. But I was going to go even though I hated every idea about what it was going to be. And there's been several in the last six months to a year that have turned into major business opportunities for me and have been really wonderful. And just the people I've met, of course, are amazing. So when I take the introversion side of it and you can never schedule an opportunity the way you talk about it, I can get on board with it now. How's that sound? Okay, so next time <laughs> next time you meet my wife, you got to tell her that because she still doesn't believe me. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know if I want to get in the <laughs> middle another, of that. That's but another conversation. <laughs> that's another conversation. I'm not sure whose side I'm going to take in that conversation. But I can at least share with her, um, and you can obviously play this for her, and, <laughs> and let her know. This has been really right. wonderful and, a little, and very helpful. We've got a little bit more time together. You've told us the two things that someone else told you and that you've really 
live by and has really helped you. Is there a piece of advice that is a Frank Deming piece of advice, something that you've learned and implemented over the years that you haven't already shared with us that you think someone in the business world, up and coming to the business world, an entrepreneur, even a student, maybe someone younger who is just going through college and figuring out life, some piece of advice that you believe has been very helpful for you in your success? I think I think the, 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 the missing link of what we discussed, we discussed a lot, and I think uh, I'm hoping that it helps a lot of people listening to this. But I think the missing link is you have to understand self-sabotage. And, and that what that looks like is this. Understand that we believe what we say. Like, so if someone is telling you that, hey, hey, Sharon, um, you are six feet one, right? And, you know, I know that you're not, right? So I'm just I'm saying, close. if someone says, Sharon, you're six foot one, right? You're saying, no, I'm not. No, I'm not, you know, or whatever. But after a while, you start thinking that you are. Sometimes, and this is going to sound a little quirky, but you'll start thinking, hey, I'm six foot one. But the problem with that is that the opposite of that can be true. If it's something that's negative and someone is telling you something and you hear it over and over again, and then you start believing that, that's where self-sabotage comes through. And so understanding that piece of your life is, is a core thing. To me, it was leaps and bounds that helped me. It helped me be able to go up to execs at my firm when I was working for corporate without hesitating, without crackling my voice, because I believed that I was his peer. Although he was in a higher grade than me, you know, he made more money, he was a higher grade, I have to have his approval, but I was his peer. I didn't go in, you know, shy and crazy, oh, no, I'm sorry, you know. Of course, in the beginning of my corporate career, I did, but as I got older and I, you know, I got over it and I I wasn't self-sabotaging myself anymore, I understood what self-sabotaging was and I didn't want to do that anymore, it catapulted me into a better exec at that level, which then helped me in my entrepreneurial life to be able to now communicate with clients in that way. Hey, you're my peer. Go out and, you know, let's have a cup of coffee. Let's do, let's do business. So understanding that is very important because sometimes it sneaks up, Sharon. The reason I wanted to bring it up, it sneaks up and you don't really realize it. You know, so reading personal development books or going to personal development events will help you dig that out of you and help help it surface. Because once it surfaces, you can re- you can reveal it. And, and get rid of it. Because if it's buried underneath, you could never see it. You don't know what's going on and, and you you stay stuck. I think it's really good. It's like what you're, I'm going to say your, but I mean everybody's, what your mother always said, don't believe everything you hear. And that's true for what people say to you, but also true for what you say to yourself, especially if what you're saying to yourself isn't furthering your endeavors, isn't moving you forward. Maybe you need to stop and say, why do I believe this? Why do I think this is true? Yeah. What's, what's another story? What's a different narrative that could be just as true as what I've been telling myself? Because if you're making up what you're saying, choose choose what you want to say. Choose what choose your story. Thank you for that. And if I want if I, if I want to add one more thing, sure. to that as well is and I, and I don't even know why I stopped doing this. Now I'm now I'm kicking myself for stopping to do this, <laughs> but. You know, when I was going through some tough struggles in my business, I forced myself every morning when I get up in the morning 
before I do anything, go to the bathroom, look in the mirror and say, I love myself. I'm, I'm in love with myself. I am the greatest version of Frank has ever seen till this day. And I would say that repetitively. And I did that for years, Sharon. And so, I mean, I stopped doing it. I want to say my last two, three years, I stopped doing it, but, and I got to start doing it again because it's, it's powerful, but I got to tell you, it changes things within you. That's um, that, that little simple thing changed everything within me. It built up that confidence as people were telling me no, like crazy. And I, I just said, I love myself. I'm really in love with myself. I am the best version of Frank Deming will ever be to this day. And each day I'll be doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And if you love yourself enough that, you you know, you just you just become bad to the bone, you know? <laughs> yes, there's definitely a lot of studies and a lot of personal development folks out there who will tell you to positive affirmations, looking in the mirror, all kinds of ways to go about that. And I agree that it can be super helpful because it does start to take that belief and make it concrete and real and makes it the new narrative that maybe you're telling yourself. So thank you for sharing that. It's a very personal story and I appreciate your authenticity in sharing that with us and everything you've shared with us today. Frank, I'm going to make sure our listeners have ways to contact you within the show notes if they're interested in learning more about what you're doing or what personal development training you've taken or just want to talk to you about anything and everything or learn more about marketing. We'll make sure they have that information and I am so grateful that you're on the show today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for always being my friend. You are a great friend, and I appreciate you greatly. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Sharon. Have a great day. Much success. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. Tune in for our next episode. And in the meantime, you can get more resources at www.c-suiteresults.com. Make it a successful day. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.